0: What would life look like if our good intentions were inspired enough, empowered enough, and challenged enough so that all those dreams became real, tangible, good in the world? On Practice Good Podcast, you will find authentic stories, challenging conversations, and real responses that will inspire, empower, and challenge your social impact journey. But this isn't all. Good business and good programs and good social enterprise are only as good as the health of their leader. And on this podcast, we will pay special attention, not only to the good that we give to the world, but to the good that we live within ourselves, our soul care. Welcome to Practice Good, a podcast for changemakers. I'm your host, Shiloh Kashima, practitioner of good, pastor, and mom of two spicy Nigerian littles. Get ready as we turn your good intentions into positive change. Hey friends, we are back and this is Shiloh and we're going to have some fun today. I wanted to make sure this podcast was a podcast that not only highlighted incredible people and the good work they're doing in the world, but also really talked about the good that we're giving ourselves within ourselves, our soul care, our self-care. And so today I wanted to spend a little bit of time with you to kind of just be authentic and talk through some of the things that I'm kind of going through and learning as a social impact leader and really kind of taken full circle back to the like idea of identity who am i why do i do what i do right i tend to do these cycles of you know being very involved in things that support making the world a better place this is where my heart is my core of who I am is just a very compassionate and empathetic being. It's just how I've been since I was a child. I mean, even when I was a young girl, I remember gravitating towards the kids that were in the special Olympics or special needs classes. And so I just connected with them because, you know, my heart was always for the one that was left out, the one that was forgotten or marginalized. And it's just kind of bled into my adult life. So it's found me in every aspect of what I do, and it's been a huge part of my life. But there have been seasons where I have been exhausted and burnt out and kind of dried up and trying to kind of refigure out why I do what I do and what is it all worth and does it mean anything and who really am I? I think I've been there many times and probably... You know, every life is a season. Every, everybody has seasons in life. And and so it's been, it's been in and out of seasons. Um, this season isn't necessarily one of those, but it is a season where I have realized that with small children, a full-time job with a nonprofit as the executive director, running a podcast, and also really taking our family from continent to continent back and forth between the U.S. and Nigeria, it's been a lot. And there's been certain rhythms or habits or routines that I have kind of let go to the wayside just because of all the transition. And so I've been meeting with my spiritual director and just kind of processing like, why is it so difficult for me and maybe just everyone in general that when we're in these seasons of transition, why we can't hold to these spaces that really allow us to stand for ourselves. I guess it has a lot to do with having two children, seven and under, seven and age four. Um, but there, it, it's difficult for me to do much other than care for them and run our nonprofits and prepare for our trip and um, and do the podcast, do the things that are important. And so my spiritual director led me to this really great book, which I've just been soaking in. It's called The Gift of Being Yourself. And The Gift of Being Yourself is by David G. Benner. I'm actually almost finished with it. I recently just read another one of his books called Surrender to Love and just finished that. Both are excellent. And there's this concept within the book, The Gift of Being Yourself, that has really, really resonated with me. And he talks about how being your full self is made up of lots of part selves. And all of these part selves are adequate and valid and authentic pieces of you. So part selves could be it's not good or bad parts of you they're just part selves. So put all together, they make up your whole self. And so I began to list the other day what are some of my part selves you know and I got to thinking I have this part self that is you know interested in social impact and creating a better world, right this compassionate part self. I have another part self that always somehow ends up in leadership, no matter whether it's social impact or not. I somehow gravitate towards leadership roles and um, rallying people together for causes or getting things done. Another part self that I have is um, a creative part self. I think outside the box. I feel like words and speaking and writing are my craft And I, I hold them very closely to my heart. Another part self for me is kind of this artistic part that I'm not super great at, but I will say today I finished my art class that I did for myself and I created this bomb looking deer. Bomb is probably a word I used when I was in high school. So excuse that, but it was an amazing deer and she has moss Growing from her antlers, and she's got one little red flower hanging from her antlers. And I just adore this deer. I'm literally going to give her a name. Next time you hear from me, I will have a name for my deer. But there's this part self of me that is creative in terms of paint and crafting. And I see a piece of furniture. Instead of buying the real one, I want to make it for myself. There's something about me that comes alive. And psychologically, I get into this place of flow when I begin to create things Of course, I get frustrated sometimes though, because I'm not as good as I hope to be. And the things that I want to put on paper don't always look like I see them in my head, right? Maybe some of you guys feel that way too. Another part self I have is one that's very introverted. I love to be alone. I love to just sit and journal and be really authentic with myself and self-reflective. And, um, Another part self of mine is the part self that loves to hang out with my girlfriends and just have a cappuccino or a sip of wine and just talk until the night gets old. There's another part self that loves to travel. There's another part self that loves to run when my hip is feeling okay. (laughs) But you see, there's all these part selves and not one is good or bad, but as we grow and as we become involved in communal groups, certain part selves are highlighted And they kind of grow and they get bigger. And other part selves might not be as valued or honored or rewarded as much. And so they begin to diminish and they kind of go in the background and in the shadows while the the rewarded part selves get larger. So what I have found is that my rewarded part selves are usually that social impact part, that leader part. Um, All the parts that kind of where people need me, or maybe I just tell myself people need me, right? And so they get bigger. And this is very normal and natural. But the obstacle is when those part selves get so big that we hold to them so tightly, like we become fragile, you know, um, that if somebody questions them or challenges them, or we lose them in some way, or we become, um, you know, we, when I say lose them, like if one of those parts selves, that's really great is your ability to sing. Right. And it's highlighted and, um, valued, but then you lose your voice, right. Or you get sick or something changes in your vocal cords, um, and you lose it completely. Uh, how do you handle that? Um, how do you, who are you then? It becomes your identity and you lose yourself because you're starting to go, who am I? What do I do? Where are these other pieces of me? And where I've kind of found myself is that the part selves that always end up being the forefront and the biggest and the largest are the ones where I always feel like there's the biggest pressing need. You know, the things that I've seen in my life, you know, having been to 14 countries and been in very developing countries and in places of poverty, like My heart always knows the names and the faces and the big tummies that are swelled with malnutrition. And it's very difficult for me to live in the moment. I'm usually outside of my head somewhere. I am usually focused on how I can use my life to create a difference for one little kid, one mom that's hungry, one father that's striving for his child, because I just don't know a life other than that. And so it would be easy to go, oh my gosh, these part selves are overtaking the other part selves. And maybe they're not me at all, because sometimes I feel like where's Shiloh and all of this. But then I always gravitate back towards it. And I'm sure we all have these things, right? We're all here because we want to make the world a better place. And these things begin to grow and we begin to hold tightly to them. But it's not that they're bad and it's not that they can't grow, but it's, it's, it's about the strength at which we hold them. It's about the clenching of our hands around them. And when they feel fragile, when they feel like that foundation is shaken, we don't know what to do. So what do we do? I mean, we embrace all of our part selves. We remember those part selves that are hidden in the shadows. We take those part selves and we welcome them back to the light. And we say, you are important. And that's hard for me. It's so hard for me because the part selves that are rewarded by myself or, and others around me are the part selves that have a really great ROI, right? They, when you invest time into them, when you become efficient and productive, like they are celebrated, they are rewarded. I feel good about myself, right? I'm making a difference. I am making an impact. I see the the work that I'm doing and I see the outcomes and that is so fulfilling. But then there's like the Shiloh part self that is loves to paint. And it's really not rewarding because I'm not that great at it. Probably because I haven't spent the time valuing that piece of me and I haven't taken classes and I haven't spent time practicing and I haven't allowed myself to play. The other part selves about, I love to write. It's my craft to write and speak, but I get stuck on writing because I feel like, ah, I don't know how to do it perfectly. And even though I know I'm a good communicator and I know how to speak and write, it's very difficult for me to finish something because I'm constantly questioning whether I know what I'm doing or not, right? The insecurities there. So you have all these part selves that begin to be lost and you start going, who am I? Because pieces are missing and it's not necessarily that it's wrong, right? It's just in bringing them back, welcoming them, to your life and acknowledging them and holding loosely all of those part selves. You don't have to run from the big part selves that have grown and snowballed out of control. They still are you. But when you don't acknowledge certain part selves, they grow in the darkness. And sometimes that can get us to a place as leaders where, We have huge moral failures. You know, we've seen this a million times, or maybe they grow in ways of depression or dissatisfaction, discontentment. Maybe they grow in ways where we literally leave our industry of compassion, our field of helping completely and totally jump to something else. Not that that's not okay. But we do it for the wrong reasons. We do it because we're burnt out, we're exhausted, and we haven't allowed ourselves to live and breathe in these other spaces of self and soul care. Oftentimes, these other pieces of us, like my painting and my writing and my just simply sitting with friends, they have to be set aside times. They have to be disciplined into my schedule, right? Because they won't be a gentleman and ask, knock, 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 Shiloh, can I please have space in your schedule? No. No. These are the things that end up being pushed aside. And oftentimes, those are the very things that nurture our soul. They are our self care. They are our soul care. These are my moments of solitude and silence. I remember when my husband and I first got married, we were both so good at all of our spiritual disciplines. Like, I mean, I say so good, like not like we were so good, but like we're better than we are now, you know? We had regular weekly kind of offsites. I don't know what we really called them, but I would call them off sites now where we went to like a beautiful place in nature. And we both would be journaling and reading our Bible or possibly listening to a podcast or sometimes not listening to anything at all. And in doing that, we felt refreshed. And towards the end of, we would spend a few hours doing that. And then we'd start chatting and talking. And we were just so in love because we spent all this time really connecting on things. We did that once a week. In addition, each of us started our mornings with our daily quiet times. Quarterly, we would go away and do uh, overnight retreats uh, separate. Actually, my husband would go to a monastery and uh, he loved it. He loved being among the monks and all of that. And he, uh, he just came back with stories about how God would teach him in the midst of his silence and retreat. And it was so, so powerful. I did the same, not to a monastery, but I went to a hotel or Airbnb. And then when you have kids and you get busy and, you know, you're both leading two separate big organizations, like stuff like this goes to the wayside. It doesn't force its way in. And this is why it's so important that we focus not only the good that we give to the world, but also the good that we live within ourselves. Because once that starts to dwindle, we don't have much less to give good to the world. And it's important. It's essential. You know, the Bible talks about how we were set free for the sake of freedom, Right. And I think about that a lot. I'm like, so does that mean I was set free so that I can set free, right? That's how I've interpreted it for so long. Like I was set free so that I can set others free. And that is truth, but it is also a part truth, right? And when we have part truth, it's not full truth and it's not truth. So just like our part selves and our full self, when we have part truth, we're missing something and it can derail us. And the thing that we're missing here is that we were set free for the sake of freedom, which means we were set free to live free, to live in abundance and life and beauty and fulfillment and purpose and calling and vocation and relationship with our creator God. And out of that, we extend hands of love to others. However, creatively we can do that. Whether that is through podcasting, through nonprofit leadership, whether that's through being on a board of a nonprofit or social enterprise, whether that's through running your own good business or simply being an excellent president of your company. Maybe you're a receptionist at a school. That too is excellent and meaningful work. And whatever you do, you live in the freedom right? That you've been given from your creator. And that freedom allows you to extend hands of love to others, no matter what you do. And so we're free for the sake of freedom. But the problem is oftentimes we're so caught up in extending that hand of freedom to others that we begin to diminish and we begin to lose sight. And we begin to be distracted by the very work of doing rather than the act of being. And so I've been thinking about this a lot And I've been trying to implement practices of play and like uh, what my husband and I call the theology of play, even just scheduling in time to paint or to draw or to learn new things or to do things that really make me feel alive and full. But they have no ROI, no productivity, no efficiency. And part of me is so anxious inside, like going, Shiloh, Shiloh, there's a million people dying in the world. You got to get to work, you know? And the reality is when I am doing things that make me fully Shiloh, whether it's social impact, whether it's leadership, whether it's speaking on a stage, whether it's running a a podcast, whether it is painting or writing in my journal, or simply having a glass of wine with a good friend, all of those things are freedom. All of those things are life-giving. And out of that, I become a person that reflects Jesus to others. And I can't do that. I can't do that if I've worn myself so down and I have I have ignored and um, made Shiloh, the personhood of Shiloh, disappear behind the work that I do. So I've literally kind of cycled back through this. I've done it once before. I think in my 20s, we talked about identity, and I'm really having to relearn right now, like what makes up Shiloh? And identity is not just the fact that I was born as the image of God. I'm made in the Imago day, but it's all the things that I'm naturally drawn to, the things that give me peace, the things that help me see the God of creation, the things that make me from head to toe know that I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. And some of those things can be so different right leading a nonprofit versus painting versus cooking with my children or reading a book with my child or even taking a long walk or a run and listening to a good audiobook but those all point me to Jesus i had this friend in high school and she used to tell me people worship God in all different ways for me it's with smell and i was like what what do you mean you see she used to work at like a beauty count counter in like a department store. And she would do the little sprays and, you know, the, the cologne and uh, perfume sprays and give them to people. And she develops this sense of smell that she said when she would smell something that was so beautiful, it made her realize that there is a God and that he created her and that's beautiful. And she got to rest in the peace of knowing that goodness. And so, I don't know, as you're looking at social impact and you're you know, driving and pushing and fighting for a better world, I just want to encourage you maybe to kind of get authentic, go self-reflective, you know, go rogue, go self-reflective, go go, get to the roots of who am I and why do I do what I do? And don't be afraid to ask the hard questions because you might be like, you know what? I don't want to ask that question because I might realize that it's like, really, I'm doing this because I want the attention or because I know that Or maybe I'm trying to fulfill some childhood wound of like not being recognized or, you know, all these different things. And, and those are okay, but you don't have to run from them because if you run from them, they stay in the shadows and they grow and they incubate and they get big and they breed. They're like bacteria it grows. Like if you acknowledge it, it can't do anything. Like bring that to light. You know, it's like my children, when they go to bed and they're like, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. I'm like, what are you afraid of? They're Like the shadows in the closet. I'm like, well, let's go ahead and turn the light on really quick and look. And you realize it's the clothes and you're like, well, it's not so scary when you see what the shadows are, right? But when they're in the dark, it's hard to know what's making that shadow, you know? And it's the same with us. We can be self-reflective as leaders, as social impact leaders, and we can say, you know what? I really gravitate towards these part selves. And I kind of diminish the importance of the other part selves, maybe because one is more rewarded by people and I get more pats on the back and others not so much, and that's okay, because when you can acknowledge it, it can't grow. It's like a little pet. You can just pet it and be like, hey, how you doing, dude? I know you're there, you know. <laughs> but if you don't acknowledge it, it grows and it, it, it becomes like a virus, right? And you don't know it's there until it's so infected and so serious. It can be deadly. So let's think today. Let's stop. Let's think about how are we acknowledging our whole selves and our whole being? Uh, there's one scripture that says the poor will always be there, and my first thought is, "Oh, great! You're going to give me an excuse to not do anything, <laughs> right?" This is my big perfectionist self, but the other part of it is this: it's 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 a it's a scripture that's saying your to do list will never end, right? And the things will always be there. You can finish all your to-do list and you'll add 15 more things. You can save all the starving babies and there'll be 500 million more, right? There'll be more causes and more educational opportunities. There'll be more people in poverty. It's all going to be there. But if we wear ourselves out, we won't be there to make a difference. So we have to learn where we begin and where we end. We get to learn where we start and where we finish. We get to learn what is mine to take and what is not mine to take. What is mine to do and not do? What is mine to participate in and not participate in? What is mine to say and not to say? And even what is mine to care about and what not to care about? My spiritual director, Bill Dogtrum, said these things to me the other day. And I really began to think like, man, what is mine not to care about? That feels so insensitive, feels so selfish, But he began to explain to me that we have so much, so many causes inundated with us with with media in our face every day that we physically don't have enough emotional capacity to care at equal gradients with this all the causes the same. Because all we'll be doing is sprinkling little bits of water on everything and having no impact. He goes, there is a point where we have to funnel our water onto one thing, like a strong hose, right? And then we make impact. But the only way we do that is by being focused. And if our compassion runs wild for anything and everything, all of the time, we will wear ourselves down because we're not God. We cannot handle it. We have to rest. We have to have solitude. We have to have meditation. We have to have frugality. We have to all the spiritual disciplines, prayer, you know, we have to have time for ourselves. And we do have to have pedicures, ladies, men, some men, you might need some pedicures too. You know what I'm saying? I got these nails this week, man. They're orange and green and pointy. And every part of me wanted to go right back to the place and get them to take them off because I'm like, these are so flamboyant. And then I was like, you know what? I'm allowed to. I'm allowed to be. I'm allowed to have fun. I am allowed to be creative on these fingertips. But it feels like every part of the part selves of me that I don't want in the limelight. (laughs) So maybe you could be like me this week and get dirty with yourself. Try to figure out, you know, ask yourself the hard questions. Why do I do what I do? And don't be afraid of those answers. Spend some time giving yourself a self-care check or a soul care check Um, and check your wellness too. How am I doing spiritually? How am I doing emotionally? Am I getting sleep? Am I creating boundaries and space around the things that make me me? And I'm acknowledging all of my part selves so that I can show up hundred percent my whole self. Thanks for joining us today, guys. I, I love this podcast. I love this group of people. And my hope is to continue having these heartfelt conversations about how we can get not just from giving good to the world, but also living good within ourselves and being able to stick it out for the long run. That's how we take care of ourselves. That's how we're here when we're 90 years old, doing the work and the good things and making the world a better place is we take the time to acknowledge our humanity. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to share and subscribe. Uh, It's been fun. See you next week.